Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to this week's episode of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and his own return next summer. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thank you again for your time and for returning once more. As always, the advertising I include with my show is done for free and is to help continue to promote the friends of the show that we've interviewed in the past. Let's start by getting ready for today's trip, which will take us across a variety of areas throughout Japan and will bring you some haunted options to add for your next trip to Japan. Since we will be covering a wider area than normal for today's show, I'm going to forego the normal history of that area as well as travel recommendations for how to get there. Uh, Normally that's just focused for one location and would really add, I think, just unnecessary length for today's episode. If you do have questions about reaching those areas, however, I am always available to you um, for you know anything when it comes to your Japan travel needs. I will create a Google Maps save location for each spot that we do cover today, so feel free to you know just enjoy our episode today, and don't feel pressed to write it down, type it down, input it however you want to input it. Uh, Just relax and enjoy our episode for today. We're going to begin by, you know, listing some popular locations, such as, um, you know, for Tokyo as well, um, including some, you know, places that are further out and not normally one that you would think of adding to your location. But got to tell you, after doing the research for today's episode, they're quickly becoming one of my have-to-visit next locations. If you'd like to turn to me uh, and say, hey, Mike, I really enjoyed hearing about this area or that from today's episode. Could you please turn it into a day trip episode? Feel free to reach out directly to me at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or on Instagram at lostwithoutjapan. As we're heading out today, go ahead and try taking a few deep breaths to help calm yourself. Leave those VHS tapes alone. Don't pick up any missed calls and keep those emergency supplies nearby in case of zombie apocalypse. Come along with your tour group as we make sure your time today is as unforgettable as possible and helps to add some areas to your next trip that you may not have otherwise. Before we begin with today's episode, Steffi says Japan is a Jersey girl 
who is currently residing in Tokyo, who also has a separate account for their love of Taikayaki as well at taikayaki.steppy. If you want to feel closer to Japan and enjoy a great take on living there, check them out. Give them a follow and you will thank me later. That's S-T-E-P-H-Y-S-A-Y-S period Japan and at T-A-K-I-Y-A-K-I dot Steffi. One thing that has become obvious while researching locations for this episode is that there are a number of urban legend locations that, you know what, turns out not real locations at all. Uh, Or there were quite a few instances of articles and websites that were giving the wrong area altogether. Not that they were in the, the incorrect city, but the wrong part of the city. So I've done all I can to fact check everything and double check so that if I'm giving you a location to visit, it is indeed where it's supposed to be. And let me tell you, that cut down on a lot of very popular sites and, or not, I should say locations and things like that that were on those sites. But if I want to give you something, I want to make sure that it is as legit as possible. Let's start today's talk off, though, by saying some of you are going to probably recognize one location that has been left out today and that has been purposely done, as it is not an area that I feel should be, you know, visited at all. Um, It is a forest. I'm sure you know what it is. Um, Instead, we are going to begin our talk at Himiji Castle in Himiji, Japan, in the Hyogo Prefecture, which is located west of Osaka between Kobe and Okayama. This one castle I've added to my list of must-visit location and is really nothing to do with it being haunted and really everything to do the, to the fact that it is indeed an actual castle and a UNESCO heritage site and it, there are chunks of it from the 17th century and it did undergo a 23 million dollar renovation in the past this is very much not what you would normally come to see if you go to like any, like there's like lots of locations throughout Japan and you go to a castle, the outside may look like a castle, but the inside of it really looks no different than any other museum you'd see anywhere else in the world, complete with the white walls. This location is truly not bad to get to from the JR Himiji station itself or from Sanyo Himiji station but both will be about a 20-minute walk to get you to this spot. That being said, if you leave the north exit of the Hijimi Station, you can take that sh- the Shinki bus and get off at the Otomai stop, which will leave you with only a 5-minute walk from this point. There's even an audio tour um, in English available for you to walk and enjoy. It's available through an app. And you can even scan a QR code as you explore, and it's going to give you some pictures of what this location looked like originally. If you'd like an actual speaking guide that is English, not just a speaking guide, you're going to want to visit this location the day before. As reservations for this are done only in person, 
and no more than a day before and can only consist of a group of maximum 10 visitors. The main site is available in a variety of languages, so feel free to check it out. I'm going to include that in today's show notes as well. That being said, it gets very hot in this location in summer. It pops up again and again for reviews. So bring that Kambini water and stay hydrated. This is one location you'll want to bring some great socks with cushion as well, as you're going to need to take your shoes off and leave them in a shoe bag up front when you visit. They also ask for you not to convert the shoe bags to cover your shoes themselves as it could damage the wood. And really, they're not meant to be walked in. Um, They're extremely slippery. They don't want you to get hurt. One last mention is that some areas are only 1.7 meters or around five and a half feet tall. So this is going to make some spots harder to navigate for some of you, depending upon your height. The castle and grounds are huge and can be visited for around 1,050 yen per person. Now, on to what you've been waiting for. This castle is rumored to be haunted by the spirit of an okiku, which is a servant who was unjustly accused of losing a valuable plate and is said to haunt the castle ever since. Now, they were not only accused, but also executed and supposedly dumped into one of the wells for this castle and said to haunt the complex, wandering its corridors, screaming about the injustice that she received. Also, you can see tiles as you walk that are shaped like an ogre, and these are there to help repel evil spirits and protect the occupants from harm. Well, I guess that is unless you happen to steal a plate. Next up is the Fumonen Bridge, and the Fumonen Kangitsan Buddhist Temple is in the city of Matsu in the Shimane region. Fumonen Bridge is a bridge that has some spillover from near the temple nearby, which also has its own ghostly occurrences as well. The bridge is said to have spirits that haunts it and becomes aggressive and overly upset if you sing a certain song while crossing it. One story about the bridge says that one evening, a samurai dared to brave this forbidden thing, and when nothing seemed to happen, he laughed heartily and returned home where a maid was waiting for him on his doorstep. She handed him a box that she said was a gift from her mistress. Opening it, the samurai made a macabre discovery, a severed head. Inside the house lay the body of his child. Even without the story, I would have just, you know, avoided singing altogether when crossing this bridge and just made my way to the temple instead. When you reach the temple, be on the lookout for faint footprints that have been reported to be seen throughout the temple grounds and are said to come from ghosts that reside in this area. At one point, there was even a handprint on the main gate as well, but it was not a ghostly occurrence. It was just someone who made a very poor life choice and added this handprint themselves for whatever reason. This had been located underneath the top main gate, 
but if any remodeling has been done in the last several years, I assume it is no longer there. Admission is around 300 yen, and if you decide to have tea in that area as well, um, your price will only go up to around 800 yen, which comes with a small suite as well. For those of you who are able to drive to this location, it does have parking as well. From one review, I noticed a common theme is not always being open when they say it is. And this should come, you know, you know, as no surprise in some ways and surprising in the others. But unfortunately, there are no digital means to double check to see if it's actually open. So you're just going to have to kind of hope it is if you make that trek out there. Um, the bridge, of course, would still be available to you. Um, one day that seems to be a they are definitely closed day is Tuesday. Um, and the times that they are open look to be from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. those other days. If you do happen to arrive and is it indeed closed and you've only budgeted one day, like I said, the bridge is going to be your option. Unfortunately, this um, location is truly off the beaten path and doesn't really have a very direct way to get there. It is north of Hiroshima and takes about four and a half hours by train, buses, and walking. If you happen to have a car, it cuts it down to about two and a half hours. If you leave from Okayama, though, however, the trip is cut down to two and a half hours by Shinkansen with a 26-minute walk after that from Matsu Station, where I bookmarked a bus stop to you know, hopefully avoid that walk as well, or at least a chunk of it. Now, before we leave this area, you could add on Matsu Joe Castle, which is a five-tiered castle that was built by Horio Yoshiura and is one of Japan's few remaining original feudal castles. Although there have been no recent sightings that I can find, the castle does have very dark beginnings and past. When this castle was originally built, the practice of Hitobashira um, existed, and this is, you're talking from the 4th to 16th century, and this is all through Southeast Asia, although it went by other names, not necessarily um, the same can vary, but it is a practice where individuals were buried beneath a building during its construction, alive, underneath the belief that doing so would help prevent future natural disasters or even an attack. While Matsu Castle was being built, a young girl was sacrificed there, and she was said that she loved to dance. After she was sacrificed, there was an order that was placed to say, like, no one to dance during the, you know, in the city or at that castle as to not younger the ghost of the young dancer. And there were even past reports that mentioned if there was any dance that was done, no matter how small, while on the premise of the castle, that the whole thing would begin to shake. Although these practices are definitely not limited to Japan, like I said before, it is uh, you know, just something I, you know, you could be unaware of uh, if you didn't do the research for these things uh, before. There are a few small placards that kind of point out this practice or small stones that still exist in some places in, you know, throughout Japan. If you find those, you know, have an idea of what that was actually, you know, indicating. This castle has a website available in a variety of languages and really does have a lot of information on it, including its pricing of a 680 yen for adults 
and 290 yen for elementary and junior high students. Now, one really nice thing is that you don't have to worry about only paying in cash. You can save some of those 100 yen coins we've been talking about and instead use a transit card like a PASMO or SWUCA because they're all accepted there as well. More information about that is on their site. They also offer bundle pricing with two other spots that are nearby. So if you have a you know higher Japanese level and those areas are of interest to you, feel free to add them on. Please double check the site though before visiting as times for opening and closing really do vary throughout the year. Besides that, um, it, you know, being closed possibly for different holidays, location is open Monday through Sunday. Even mentioning both of these, this is not the only place you can visit for a haunted experience on your next visit to Japan, especially for the area that we were just talking about. But we are going to move on and explore some more of Japan and maybe turn uh, these last couple uh, into its own episode and add on those other areas as well. Next, we'll be covering a variety of haunted lodging in Japan. But a word of warning to those of you looking to actually see a ghost, that there's a lot of like these famous lodging options that you'd heard of on some really famous YouTube channels um, on Japan that have not actually had any ghost sightings in quite some time. Um, especially after remodeling has taken place or there were fires that burned down that location and it's been rebuilt. So if you're going with an intent to, you know, actually try to see a ghost or spirit, whatever you'd like to refer to it as, uh, make sure to do some research before your visit. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you that if you go to these locations, you are indeed going to see something. Um, but I would direct my energy, if this was important to me, to um, the spots that I'm talking about today. We're going to begin our talk on haunted lodging with the International Garden Hotel Narita. Not only do you stand a chance of seeing a ghost on your visit, it is also a very affordable lodging option, especially when you look at other pricing that's in that area. That being said, it is an older hotel with mentions of, that it needs some remodeling and new electrical outlets. It has been said that a ghost of a little boy wanders throughout the hotel and has been known to just appear in front of guests asking them to play. The ghost of a little boy suddenly appears and can you know, speak with you no matter what language you know or don't know. They're able to get their point across. And after that, you know, whether or not you have that experience or not, uh, some perks of this location is that a shuttle will run from the airport, you know, to and from, and that a breakfast um, is available to you as well with a traditional Japanese and American dining options as well. Current pricing for all of this uh, through various travel websites for one adult is around $58 a night uh, with tax and goes up a few dollars if you um, end up booking it directly through their site. So go for the discount, my friends. Our next haunted travel option takes us to the Marad International Hotel Narita. Unlike some of the locations that I've you know, talked about in the past, this location's hauntings can actually be traced back to 1999, uh, when members of the Life Space cult were arrested in room 1272 
I don't know if this is something that you could request to stay in or if they have it still. Um, you'll understand why it might be closed. I don't know. Um, but they were found. Um, what ended up happening was in 1999, there were members of the Life Space cult that were arrested in this room. And they ended up finding a body of a cult member who had been kept in the room for quite some time, four months after a failed healing attempt through dent gentle touches uh, that they, they refer to as the Shakti Pats. Um, if you Google uh, Newsweek and this event, you can read more about what's occurred, um, but I want to share a bit about what has happened since then. Uh, after that occurrence, uh, not really before, they didn't have any issue with uh, any sort of haunting or things of this way, but after that point in time, numerous flight attendants have reported ghostly sightings, as well as hotel guests have been kept awake by the sound of loud footprints on their ceiling, which, hey, any of you who've stayed in a hotel before, it's not, it's not an uncommon experience. Um, but we're talking about uh, people that were on the very top floor with nobody above them, no other rooms. So, you know, take that for what it is. Rooms range from $65 to $75 a night U.S. for a single adult uh, through most major travel sites with shuttle service leaving to Narita every 30 minutes. And will take you either 10 to 15 minutes from that point to get to your terminal that you're looking to fly out of. So make sure you know which one you are to get off at that correct spot. One thing to note as well is that there's no public transportation from this location before 7 a.m. And the, you know there's no taxi service. Unless you are great with Japanese, have a Japanese phone number and can use a taxi app, you could be stuck having to do your very own 40-minute walk with your luggage to get to the airport. What I'd also say is that if when it opens up um, around like that 7.50, um, 8 o'clock time, you're going to have quite a few people waiting. So if you are staying at this spot, make sure your flight is later as possible so that you can get there and not have to rush and miss anything that you want to uh, when it's time to end your time in Japan. At this point, while doing research on haunted locations in Japan, truly became a blur of urban legends versus actually haunted locations. Some locations have become quite internet famous and have many YouTube videos that you can look at. Um, there are some uh, tunnels in Tokyo. Uh, there are other resorts and lodging that I think if they had anything, it was quite some time ago. And, um, you know, like for some of the hotels and things, it seems to be um, your reportings after like a fire or a major remodeling uh, ends up disrupting uh, this from happening. So just be careful. Um, like I said, if this is what you're looking for, make sure you're getting the best thing that you can. So what we're going to go ahead and, you know, talk about for everything else in and of our time is, you know, if you enjoyed this and we're going to look to do this again uh, for next October, let me know. Otherwise, um, we will continue on, like I said uh, previously, that we are going to talk about our next day trip episode, which is going to be coming up on two weeks after my episode that's just going to be some random sounds that I was able to record in Japan 
you know, it's cheaper than uh, the cost of flying there currently, so we will take that. We're going to bring our talk on haunted locations to an end today, and we will focus, like I said, in two weeks with those sounds and two weeks after on day trip episodes. And hopefully by then, um, our interviews, which I'm hoping to uh, complete here in the upcoming months for November, will begin again in December, and we'll go off from there. Housekeeping for right now, please give a follow, a like, and comment on your favorite streaming service. For updates on the show, feel free to give a follow on Instagram at Lost Without Japan. And if you've enjoyed today's show, feel free to support the show、uh, through Ko-fi or Patreon. Information about this can be found in today's show notes. Thank you again to all of the members that have donated for the show. You're helping save towards the next microphone for the show, as well as a mini video camera that I'm hoping to bring with me next summer so that I can share、uh, additional video、uh, with you all、um, after next summer's trip. Nihango Jobs, powered by Kasha from Ikigai Connections. If your dream is to build a career around your Japanese slash English language andor cultural skills, Check out ikigaiconnections.com for country specific resources and inspiring senpai success stories. If you're specifically looking for a Japanese job in the US, search for one at nihangojobs.com. It looks like we're ready to call it a night, but before we begin our next adventure, we're going to continue our discussion and exploration of Japan together next time we get together. So, on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip. And we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks for our next episode. To everyone out there, oh, ginky day. Stay well, my friends. Song of the show today is going to be the Kiari Pamu Pamu Crazy Party Night Pumpkin Strike Back. Music to follow. Thank you again for all listening. Hope your week, month, and rest of the year go wonderfully. Thank you all. ーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーーー